Assemblies of God called for a day of prayer. And uh, I believe our Louisiana superintendent, who's our speaker here today, and uh, him and his wife are here, I I'm sure he would want us to pray. I know the Baptist group has called for prayer today, so you know we're going to start out with prayer. I actually printed this from uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, and, and I liked the four things, the four areas that they were praying for, so I wanted us to do that this morning, amen? We're going to spend a few minutes, and we're going to pray. Uh, you know we believe in prayer around here. Listen, somebody was asking me earlier, let me, let me make sure I clarify something. I don't care about the coronavirus. I care about the people that are dying, but it is not as bad as the media keeps making it out to be. Do you need to wash your hands? You should have been already. If you're running a fever, you shouldn't have been anywhere anyway. You should have been at home. So if we follow common sense, which we should have had beforehand, the Bible taught us to, to wash our hands. So we're going to continue to pray for the, the people that are being affected because some people, it affects them worse than others, right? It, it does. We understand that. But I am not going to walk in fear and, allow, and, and make this virus push me into a corner I'm not going to happen. It's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to continue to fight. I'm going to continue to pray for people. I'm going to continue to believe God will heal them throughout this time. Do you need to hug on everybody you walk up to? I would say probably not. Do you need some hand sanitizer? We have plenty for you back there. Wash your hands. It, we're just talking common sense, right? Let's just, just continue to pray against this. So I want you to join me this morning. We're going to stand up this morning, and we're going to pray. We are going to pray. And I'm going to read, read this out, and we're going to spend time, even if it's just a few minutes, praying this morning. So the first one is we're going to ask God in his mercy to stop the pandemic and save lives, not only in our communities but around the world, particularly in places that are unequipped medically to deal with the virus. So let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you now humbled in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come asking for mercy, God, because this virus is spreading across the world and fear is coming into people. But, Lord, it is a legitimate virus that is killing people. And, Lord, we pray right now that those areas that are not able to equip, Lord, that your mercy would be poured out upon them, Lord. We, we rebuke this virus in the name of Jesus. Lord, and we release divine health into people, Father. Lord, that resources would be available for them and wisdom would also come along with that, Father. Lord, we also pray for our, our president, our government leaders, international, federal, state, and local, that they will have wisdom to direct us in the best courses of action for prevention and care. Lord, we should always be praying for our leaders, but right now we pray even more, God, that divine wisdom would come upon them, Lord. Lord, not fear. We rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. Lord, that they would walk in divine wisdom and understanding straight from the throne of God. Lord, the scripture teaches us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Lord, so today we pray that you would give us the wisdom in the moment that fear would not be our foundation. It would not allow it to be shaken. That others would realize how fragile life is and how real eternity is. And they would see their need to turn to God. Use this time, Lord, where the, where the world is trying to put fear upon people as they are thinking about their mortality, they would think about how they need a Savior. Lord, and we also ask you to protect our missionaries and their families that are scattered around the world doing your work. Lord, during this time, we just pray a hedge of protection upon them right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray right now for our area, Lord, our state. 
Lord, I pray that, that you would just kill this virus. Lord, we ask that it would just wither and die because we know that you're the God that is still in control. No matter how much people may be walking around in fear, they have no hope. They're, they're buying all of the things off the shelf because they don't understand. Lord, we know you're in control. And Lord, I ask that you would just kill this virus. Kill it in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I release hope to people. Let us be a beacon of hope during this time. Let us not be foolish, but let us walk with faith that builds us. Lord, your word, your word says, as I was reading this morning, your word says in James, James chapter 1, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come upon you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely, but let it do its work. So, Lord, in this time, Lord, let us not just cower down and hide, but let us walk in true faith. Let us walk in obedience to you, Father. Lord, that our faith will be built but more than that, that the world will see our faith in you is real. Our faith in you is real, and they will want to come to Jesus Christ as their Savior. So, Lord, we thank you. As the churches scattered around the world are praying today, we join in with the believers, with our family. And we thank you, God, that you are watching over us. You are watching over us in this house especially. We thank you for protecting us in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated this morning. Amen. And as I said earlier, we have our state superintendent here and his wife, and I'm going to let him do, do the greetings and all of that. But listen, we're going to continue to have church until they tell us we can't have church. And then what will we do there? Well, you know, we got online. I'm not worried about that. We will always have people here that will be presenting the gospel online. We have people watching right now. I heard there was churches closing down in the area. And I told the pastors, I was like, you know what, if, if, if you don't have the ability to do that, call me. We will bring you here and let you record your services so we can put them online for your congregation. Because you know what, it, we should not run right now. This is an opportunity for us to show that we believe more than any other time. Amen. So today I want us to give. I want us to bless the Lord with our giving. The Bible teaches us to bring our first fruits to the Lord. Amen. And we always bring our first fruits. But then he also said that we can bring an offering. So today we're going to pray, and we're going to allow God to speak to us about an offering, and we're going to bring it, and we're going to sow it into the good ground. Amen? So if you're watching online, you can go to our website, newlifeag.church, or even here. But if you're a guest with us, we're not asking you to give. You don't have to give. We're not trying to get something out of you. But for us that are the family here in this church, we know we give. Amen? So let's pray this morning, and we're going to do that, and then we're going to worship. Anybody ready to worship? Okay, just a couple of us. Father, we are so thankful again, Lord, as we come now to you again humbly. We want to bless you, Lord. We want to be obedient to bring our tithes to you, but we also want to bless you. Lord, we want to just, just pour this out upon you today. So, Lord, receive these tithes and these offerings from us today, Lord. Multiply them in here in the life of the church, but also in the life of the giver, Lord. Lord, that we may prove you, Lord, that you take care of us, as the word says. Lord, use this money around the world for the, those that are in need, but especially right here in Marksville, Mansoura, Louisiana, that we may reach the lost and help feed those that are hungry. And we ask this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that this morning, say amen with me. Amen. Well, thank you for giving. You can go ahead and come up and, and give. Hallelujah. Whew. So Pastor Scott is, as my tradition... Uh, that, that I do here, and when I bring someone in, I don't bring anybody in I don't trust anyways. 
So this is my tradition that I do with, with guest speakers is, is I release you to bring everything God has for us. There's no ceilings on it. The only expectation we have is that it is as scriptural as from the word of God. So flow freely in the gifts God has allowed you and called you to operate in. And I'm going to give you the mic, and I'm going to go worship. And if you feel that God wants you to interrupt in it, you feel free. You have liberty in this house, and, and Sister Carrie, you as well. I know you're a woman of God, so be free in this house. Amen. Come on, let's go ahead and stand up this morning. I had to get my ears on real fast. Hallelujah. Jesus. Get my songs up there, too. Hey, listen, so you need to come Wednesday. We, we finished up last week, teach us how to pray. And this week we're going to do something different. And, and somebody in the congregation was telling me God's been speaking to them, and they've been putting it down. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, this is going to be good. So make sure you're here Wednesday at 630 so that you can, you can worship with us. We're going to have worship time, and we're going to have a time of study. Amen. Hallelujah. i 
favorite part of this song. You spread the 
So when I lose my voice there in this, I don't have to worry about it. Do you have 
pray for your spirit to fill us up today, God, until we overflow.
through your word, oh God. We belong to you. We belong to you. I belong to you. I belong to you. I belong to you. I belong to you. Come on, tell him this morning. We don't have to rush. I belong to you. singing this song, fill me up. Lord showed me a 
the vessel and it was starting to overflow and he said the only way my people are going to feel my spirit is they got to flow he said I need my people to let my spirit flow through them that way it can flow to others he said a lot acts for wisdom and a lot acts for knowledge he said but a lot they ask but they're not ready to receive he said I want to give it to the ones that want to receive it that have the heart to receive it. He says, so if you want more wisdom and more knowledge, when you ask, you got to ask with your heart, not just to ask, just to say, I got it. He said, because when you ask with your heart, he said, that's when my spirit can flow out like water through a river where people will feel it and they will they will want to get deeper into the water. Hallelujah. Come on, you give a praise to the Lord this morning. Come on, we can do better than that. Y'all clapped louder than that when LSU won. Come on. Now listen, I don't want you to go hug on anybody. Just turn and wave people and tell them you love them. Just wave at people tell them you love them. Hallelujah. Where's our children at? They're going to get ready to head off to, to children's ministry also. Hallelujah. Whew. I'm sweating just a little bit, so I'm going to stay away from everybody. I sweat all the time up there, though. I don't care. Hallelujah. Thank you. You want to grab that stand for me? Yeah, that's the joke is I blow my voice out every week, and I stand up every time like this, but I don't care. I don't care, and they know it, too. I don't care. I'm going to sing way too loud. So, listen, I root for the football games when they play. I rooted for LSU when they won. I root for the track team when I'm out there. The, the guys know when I'm out there. I'm loud. And if I'm going to lose my voice anywhere, it's going to be for the Lord. I, you know, if I got to go out, I'm going out that way. Amen. So, but again, hey, it's, it's my honor to, to be able to, to present the, uh, our district superintendent. A lot of you know him already, but, uh, you know, it's great for him to have him here with his wife. And uh, appreciate you, brother. I'm going to let you come up and have your way and uh, have a good time. Amen. Good morning. It's, uh, I think the hardest thing we're going to be doing today is just uh, being around each other and not giving everybody a hug, isn't it? I mean, that's like walking into a Pentecostal church and not touching anybody. That's, uh, that's kind of challenging. So, uh, but hey, it's, uh, it's an honor for Karen and I to be here this morning and uh, just to uh, uh, join Pastor Richard and, and Wendy and, uh, and all of you, some of you I do know, and some are, are new faces since the last time I was able to be here, and uh, it's just an honor to be here. It's great, it's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning, amen, and uh, you know, I, I know that, uh, again, uh, most of you know that your pastor, not just as a pastor of this city, 
And I know he's a blessing to you, to this, to this body, to this city. But he also serves as our, as our presbyter that oversees all of our churches in this area. So we're so grateful for his leadership and uh, his servant's heart in the way not only that he just serves you, but he serves the, the other churches in this area. So thank you, Pastor Richard, for all that you do. And, uh, and again, I probably most of you know as well that uh, uh, Wendy works in our district office. So she drives every day to Alexandria and does a phenomenal job. So, uh, you know, I've told Richard multiple times, don't you ever plan on leaving Marksville. And because uh, if you do, Wendy's just going to have to stay with us. <laughs> And, but um, and just obviously in a joking manner, but we love Wendy. We love <laughs> we love uh, uh, what she has brought to our our office over these last several years as she's worked with us. She's just done a phenomenal job in uh, in working in our accounting department. So uh, and I was able to come over just a few weeks ago. I had not been here since uh, since the great tornado. And uh, but. Uh, Boy, I tell you what, walked into the building, and uh, it looks beautiful uh, from, from all the way to the back where the offices now are, from the back to the front. It's just, just beautiful. And, uh, you know, what the devil meant for that old scripture, what the devil meant for bad, the Lord has turned it into a great blessing, hasn't he? And uh, that's not only true in buildings, but it's also true, and I think it's more especially true when the Lord wrote that or had his writers pen that through the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Uh, obviously, it included buildings, but really it was meant for you and I. And whatever the enemy really means for bad and harm in our lives, the Lord turns it around for good. So, hey, I, uh, I know that uh, we've already prayed, we've already uh, talked about uh, the coronavirus and all that. I'm sure it'll come up a moment or two, you know, even in my speaking. But but uh, Karen and I, we were uh, in our family. We were in our home together with our family this past Sunday. Actually, it was Sunday evening. We were celebrating a couple of birthdays in our family, and we had a big uh, big time together. And as we were sitting around the table and eating and and uh, just having a great time. We just started talking about, because last Sunday, my family's in the oil and gas business up in Shreveport, so last Sunday, you know, the, the oil prices dropped and greatly affecting business, as it will not just for us, but for so many around the state. And we just started talking about those types of things. And, and uh, even last Sunday, this whole week has just been news after news after news. You just can't get away from all the things that are happening. But uh, as we begin to talk about all the chaos that is absolutely worldwide, our conversation just kind of shifted over, not about the virus, but about our eschatology. And as assemblies of God, we believe that one day our Heavenly Father is going to whisper or somehow He's going to communicate to His Son in heaven, it's time. It's time to go get the church. And uh, we still believe in the rapture, amen? We still believe that some moment, maybe in the near future, that trumpet in heaven is going to pierce the sky, and those that have died before, now I don't understand it all, I just know what the Bible says, the dead in Christ will rise, and then we which are alive and remain will catch up with them in the air. And uh, it's just fun to sit and think about that just for a moment. 
And as our conversation on Sunday began to shift gears from the coronavirus to the one day the rapture coming, we just began to think about, and we just had a fun time around the table discussing the chaos, not, not that chaos is fun, but can you imagine the chaos on planet Earth when the rapture happens? Can you, I mean, the news that has just absolutely inundated us this week, you know, and again, it is like Pastor said, it is, it's, our heart goes out for every individual, for every family worldwide that has had to deal with this, and now, you know, the hundreds of folks, the couple thousands of folks that have actually passed away because of, our hearts go out to them. But on a worldwide scale of 8 billion people, a 2,000 people dying, you know, guys, that's happening. You know, we have more people dying from influenza and the flu than, than, as the pastor was saying, it is a media sensation at this moment. And as tragic as that is, can you imagine on that small of a scale, the chaos that it's causing, untold hundreds and hundreds of millions of people that will vanish in the twinkle of an eye? Can you imagine the chaos that that's going to cause? Can you imagine, you know, you've read of the, the, the literally hundreds of millions of people that are part of the underground church in China. Can you imagine all of those people that work in all of those factories that produce all of those goods that supply the world in one twinkle of an eye. They're gone. Can you imagine what that's going to do to worldwide commerce? Now, here's the thing, because I was standing in front of, a, of a several students yesterday, hundreds of students yesterday, as we were engaged in our Lassam, and this is what I asked them to pray for. I believe every precaution, just like your pastor was saying, every precaution that we're trying to take as a, you know, the governor in his letters and, and uh, what he's wanting to do, you know, our president, I, 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 you know, all the things we're trying to do to prevent this from spreading, I'm totally behind it. Let's use prudence. My challenge to the church and for myself as a believer is as as dedicated as I am to stop the spread of this virus, my challenge is how dedicated am I to stop the spread of sin? And as dedicated as I am to keep people from catching this virus, how dedicated am I to stopping people from going to hell? Because that's, as that song just said, Lord, your presence is more real than the song on my tongue, the skin on my bones. Well, heaven and hell is more real than you and I standing on this beautiful new carpet here and sitting in those wonderful chairs. It's a reality. And I thank God for our prevention of the spread of this virus. But friends, the church of Jesus Christ is put on planet earth for a couple of things. One is that we can enjoy the presence of God. Two is that we can stop people from the destruction of sin in their own life, whether that's right now in their own uh, existence, but surely that means going to heaven and not hell. Can somebody say amen to that? Wow. Wow. Let's keep praying for our country. If uh, 
as as a pastor was saying a few minutes ago, this is as serious as it is. If this can throw the country in this kind of turmoil, you know, the Bible talks about let's know peace. And before we can actually know peace, as in the, the calmness of our spirit, we have to know the Prince of Peace. And I believe the further we get a, away from knowing the Prince of Peace, the harder it is, or almost the impossibility that it becomes in actually experiencing peace. That's why I believe the world is in such a chaotic turmoil. They're so far away from the Prince of Peace that any little thing causes this absolute mass hysteria. They don't know what peace is. And I really believe that's when Peter would write and challenge us, Church, be ready to give an account for the hope that lies within you. And I believe that's one of the greatest challenges, and I think this is just, you know, one of those setups. I think, you know, in, uh, and, and I don't want to be a preacher of doom and gloom, because when we know Jesus, there is no doom and gloom. But, but in the world, as the world has trouble, and we're going to get to that in just a few moments, it's the fact that let's be testimonies of hope and peace, not of chaos and fear. Yeah? Amen. So let's jump into the Word of God. I want to talk to you from an Old Testament story that probably is very familiar with you. In fact, you know, if you're, you know, like these kids that just uh, got ushered to the back, it's one of those stories we learn about even in children's church if you happen to grow up in church. But it's the story when, you know, that God, Jehovah God, had brought the Israelites out of Egypt and uh, now they had uh, made their way to the edge of the promise. And in Numbers chapter 13, Moses gets a representative of the 12 tribes. In our Bible, we call them spies, and they go out to spy the land. But if you'll just permit me today not to change that word that violates Scripture, but I'm just going to use as the Hebrew language is so beautiful, the Hebrew language also included in that same word that got translated spies. It could just have easily been translated explorers. So for today, would you permit me just to use that word explorers? I want to talk about the 12 explorers that went out to explore the promised land. Can we do that? Y'all with me? Now here's how I want to use this as a jumping board of application into our life is because the Lord has given to us a promise. In fact, he's given to us, The many scholars read through the Bible, they talk about 7,000 promises in the Word of God. Now, all of those promises aren't meant for you and I as individuals, but you could easily say that there's more than 3,000 promises in the Bible that are just for you and me. They're for us as a, as a local congregation, they're for you as a family, for you as an individual. That's a pretty good-sized promised land, don't you believe? 
In fact, our promise is not geographical like this we're talking about in the Old Testament. Their promise was a land. It was geographical. It had boundaries to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. And it was a very large promised land. Our promise, again, if we could go back to that number of thousands, is a pretty good-sized promised land, though I know specifically for sometimes the Lord does give us geographical promises. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you this territory. I'm going to give you this place to build the church. I'm going to give you this city. Absolutely, I believe in that. But today, I'm more focused on the promises that he's given to you as an individual. Let's go explore the promises because I know that in our exploration of the promises, if we're not careful, we may end up in the same place that these other explorers found themselves, and that's the story that I want to jump into. So let's start in verse 1. I'm not going to read the entire chapter, though I'm going to read several verses there. Chapter one of verse, or chapter 13, verse 1 says this. Everybody with me? Y'all with me? You were good? The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to explore out the land, or spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. I think that that's a great place just to stop and take one little breath, because I want you to just focus just for a few moments on what is the promise that the Lord is giving you. And for some of you, it's, it's very familiar. It may be a promise about your children, about your marriage, or about your health, about your finances, about your city. I don't know what it is that you're praying about, what it is you're walking in, but I believe just like the Lord has given these folks the promise, we've already established that today. He's giving you a promise as well. Somebody could say amen to that. Giving you a promise, and I think that uh, I love this whole exploration idea because your promises is not found over the, you know, the uh, Pacific Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean, excuse me, and uh, over into the Middle East and the geographical piece of land called Israel today. What you need to be exploring is this right here. This is where your promised land is. And we need to go on an exploration edition every single day. We need to be exploring the promises that God has given us. Come on, somebody. Y'all with me? So here the Lord is sending these explorers out into the land that he's giving them. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran into the com- com- uh, according to the command of the Lord. All of the men, all of them, men who were heads of the people of Israel. So verses, uh, chapter uh, chapter 13, verses 4 through 16 are all the names. And we're going to get back to that in just a minute as we finish up. But I just want to skip over all of those names and skip down to, to verse 17. So Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country. And see what the land is, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell is good or bad, whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage. Everybody say courage. And bring some of the fruit of the land. 
And now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. And then it says in verse 21, they, that's, that's the action. This is the instruction in verse 17 through 20. And verse 21 is the action. They went up, they explored the land in the wilderness of Zin, and it gives you the kind of the boundaries of uh, how, where they went. They, in verse 22, they went up into the Negev and came to Hebron. Then if I just read these names really quick, you're going to think I know exactly how to pronounce them. You know, that's the trick. If you just don't pause, everybody thinks, oh, that's how you say that name. And uh, I don't know any more than you do, but let's give it a shot. Aham, Sheshai, Talmai, the descendants of Anak were there. These, these descendants in that Anak means giants. There were giants in the land. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. That, that little par, paraphrased uh, uh, sentence is just to let us know that these were long-standing cities. They came to the valley of Eshcol, and they cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And we've all seen kind of pictures and depictions of this. And they carried it on a pole between the two of them. They also brought some pomegranates and figs, and the place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster, because of the greatness, the size that the people of Israel cut down from there. And the verse, if we could stop at verse 24, this is an incredible story. If we could just stop right there. Unfortunately, the story doesn't stop there. But can just just for the moment today, let's just stop there just for a moment. And I, I want to take a little bit of inventory over these scriptures because I think there's some good application for us here. Number one is this. They went out, and if you go back up to those verses, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this just for a little bit, but if you go back to those verses, Moses gave these men specific instructions. Number one is this: I want you to see what the land is. Follow me here, just for a moment. I want, you to, I want you to take notice of the land. Now here's for our application today. Again, that land is those promises that God has given to you. So I want you to notice the promise. But then he also says, I want you to also know the opposition. Look at the people who dwell there. Are they strong or weak or few or many? So look at the land and look at the people. And then he goes on to say, look and see if the land is good or bad. And whether the cities, again, that they dwell are camps or strongholds. So now I want you to look at the land, look at the people. Look at the land, look at the people. Then he goes on to say, is the land rich or poor? Are there trees there, meaning fruit trees? What are the fruit? And then, then also bring back some of the fruit. So if you go back and you count that, you know, and I know, I know, you know, Pastor Richard, you help on the track team, sportsmen there. Even in track, you keep score. You keep time. You, you know how many events each team has won. There's a score that's being kept. Here there's a score that I want to keep because five times Moses said, look at the promise. Two times he said, look at the opposition to that promise. Y'all with me? I want you to keep that in mind. But also, as you look at that, you keep going to that. They, they went through. We know they were there for 40 days, and they saw this fruit. They tasted of this fruit. You know, we all can have our own imagination a bit. And I'm just thinking, you know, these grapes may, may have been the size of, you know, some people say grapefruits. I like to just like even exaggerate a little bit more. And it's like my, my grape's like a, like a big basketball, you know. 
Amen. <laughs> We're not going to talk too much about food. We'll all start getting hungry, and then you'll all start not paying attention to me, and we'll be wanting to go eat Mexican food, you know. But, hey, just think about that just for a moment. Because in the exploration of God's Word, He's wanting you to find the valley of Eshcol. He's wanting you to find in His Word the greatness of all of His promises that are right to you. He's wanting you to enjoy not those little bitty grapes, not those raisins, you know, that are dried up grapes, but He wants you to enjoy the greatness of His promise. He wants you to see how good His land is. He wants you to see how supernatural His promises are. That's the whole purpose of sending out these explorers. But something tragic happened, and again, many of you know, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Verse 25 begins the rest of this tragic story. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, They brought back word to him or to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. We're good up to now. And then they began to speak. They told him, we come to the land to which you have sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. So now we're going to get to this a little bit more in detail in just a moment. But remember remember a few minutes ago, the score was what? Five to two. Promise to opposition. So already they're beginning to give the report back, and they've given the land is flows with milk and honey, and the land, here's some fruit. But however, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are very large. The people are actually the descendants. They're giants. They're the descendants of Anak. And they goes on and talk about all of the places they went. Verse 30 says, Caleb quieted the people before Moses. He's trying to, you know, turn the tide because they're already starting with this negative momentum. Caleb is saying, we can go up at once. We can occupy the land. Verse 31, then the men who had gone up again said, we are not able to go up against this people. Remember, we already have two or three, for they are stronger than we And they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land they had spied out, saying, Though we have gone out to spy it, the land devours its inhabitants, and all all the people that we saw in it are great. They are the giants or the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from Nephilim, and we seemed as ourselves like grasshoppers, so we seemed to them. And here's three things that I want to bring out this morning to you and I as a little bit of an application as we begin not just to explore the promises that the Lord has for us, but when we start walking in to possess those promises, to possess that promised land. I want us to learn from this story. Number one is this, that the promised land is not a perfect land. So many times, I don't know what those 12 guys were were expecting when they got there. 
I don't really know. Now, we know two of them brought back a good report, Joshua and Caleb, but ten, I think they were expecting a perfect land. I think they were expecting something that everything looked hunky-dory. And there, we used to say that up in Oklahoma. I don't think we say that in Louisiana. But, you know, everything looked grand. Everything looked great. We want everything to be perfect. We don't want to have to deal with the coronavirus. We don't want to have to deal with cancer. We don't want to have to deal with divorce. We don't want to have to deal with our children, you know, not being obedient at times. We don't want to have to deal with that. We just want to come to Jesus and everything is perfect. Come on, wouldn't that be great? But that's not the promised land that he's promising. This promise that the Lord is giving us on this side of heaven is not a perfect land. But as we begin to see more of the opposition than we do the promise, we're going to turn into the report of the ten spies instead of the two. Because did you notice the math on that second list? They went from looking at the promise five times and the opposition two to looking at the opposition five times and the promise two. It was exactly the opposite. Is that amazing? And I think as believers at times, the enemy so wants to get us totally diverted from looking at the promise to looking at the problem. Come on, y'all with me? You know, I know we've heard this before because it's a phrase that's been around for a long time. We need to stop telling God how big our problem is and stop, start telling our problem how big our God is. And I want that to be not just a little phrase out there, but I want it to be one of my philosophies of living. Are you ready for that? It's not a perfect land. Friends, we're going to have to struggle. I, you know, all week long, you know, I've been on the phone with pastors and just about this one little issue. But friends, we're not promised like the old country and western song used to say, you know, you know, we're not promised a rose garden. You know, we're promised the presence of God. We're going to get into that in just a few moments, but it's like, you know, there's going to be some difficulty, which gets me into this second point because the promised land is not a perfect land and the promised land is not a battle-free zone. There's going to be a battle. And I think at times we just want like, you know, the big fruit. We want the basketball-sized blessing without a fight attached and there's just going to be a fight. There's going to be a battle as we claim this promise. There's always going to be opposition to possessing this promise. In fact, Paul made us a little promise, and one of those 3,000 promises, 
you know, that, that we have that I think apply, or more than 3,000 that apply specifically to us, was given through the Holy Spirit, given through Paul by the Holy Spirit, and this is the promise. And some of these promises we don't want. It's like, I don't want that promise. It's kind of like that promise that the state trooper gives us. If you drive over the speed limit, I promise I will stop you and give you a ticket. I don't like that promise, you know. But when I know that promise, it helps me to drive the speed limit, Yeah. Okay, but here's this promise that the Apostle Paul gave us. Now, you're not going to like it either. Those that desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer trials. Anybody like that promise? If you do, I got a good counselor I could just uh, refer you to. You know, something wrong with you if you like that promise. Now, we all embrace that promise. It does no good to try to run from that promise because it's truth and it's God's word. But it kind of gets me to this little place right here. I must be ready for the fight. And if the Lord didn't expect us to be people ready for a fight, he wouldn't have inspired Paul to write one time about, hey, Here's the weapons that you need. You need a helmet. You need a sword. You need a shield. You need a belt that puts all this together, and you need shoes. Now, it's interesting, and again, you've heard this. This is not something new or novel, but you've also heard this. When you think about all that warfare, weaponry, it's all on the front. It's none of it on the back. Because when we get in that defensive mode, the Lord really hadn't given us anything to protect ourselves. All our protection is that we continue to remain in that offensive position, moving forward. We're not afraid of the fight. We're not afraid of the opposition and developing a mentality that the Lord has given me a promised land, but I'm going to have to fight for it at times. He's given me a promise that says, and this is something that I think, you know, I've seen people throw out there. You know, the Bible says that, you know, if I'll confess from, from Acts chapter 16, if I confess and I repent, I'm going to be saved and my whole household. You ever hear, you ever heard people quote that verse? And then they just kind of set back and just expect their whole household to come to Jesus without a fight? Friends, that's a promise. It is absolutely a promise that your whole household can serve Jesus and that you're going to lead the way. And because you've opened the door to the Spirit of God moving in your house, here He comes, coming in like a flood. But I can promise you, and you probably know this already, that that's not just going to come easy smeezy. There will be a battle at times as we see our kids making some wrong direction, as we see our spouses, you know, really opposing what God's doing in our life. But you can't give up, and we can't just quit on the promise because there's a little bit of opposition. Can somebody say amen to that? We compare our ability to possess the promise many times to the size of the opposition. Did you notice how many times they said, there's giants in the land? Are you kidding me? There's giants in the land. Now, I'm not here to preach a political message, but, you know, it doesn't matter what side of the political fence that you find yourself on. When our 
our party might not happen to be the one in the top position, oftentimes we look at that and say, oh, we can't accomplish anything because look who's in office. Or we can't look at, come on, y'all with me. And we start spotting the We can't expect anything great to happen on our public campuses because they've outlawed prayer in school. That's a giant in the land. Come on, we get so easy in spotting the giants in the land. And we could sit here all day long and name those giants just like those men did. We could name our giants in our culture one by one. And before we get out of this place, we're so defeated, we'll be quoting these guys. We're like grasshoppers in this land. I just hope I don't get smushed this week. I mean, even, even in, now, there's one good thing about South Louisiana. Out in the swamp, you see those grasshoppers out in the swamp? Man, they look like creatures out of the book of Revelation. You know, but even in that, you know, the, the lifespan of a grasshopper is pretty unpredictable. In any given moment, something great, much, much bigger, going to squash it. Friends, I don't want a grasshopper mentality. I don't want to leave here this morning with a grasshopper mentality. I don't want coronavirus to be one more of those giants in the land that's going to keep us from possessing the promises that God has given his church. Come on, y'all with me. We are not grasshoppers in the land. We are children of the Most High God with promises of luscious fruit that, and great lands that we can dwell in. Now let's talk a little bit about one more thing and finish all this up. <laughs> I, I love, you know, King David. I love some of the Psalms. I love how... Paul was trying to prepare us for battle. I love some of these prayers that David prayed. You know, Psalms 58 is one of those. I love even the, the title of these psalms or these, these, uh, uh, these, this, this group of psalms. We call them imprecatory prayers, meaning they're, they're prayers of, of kind of like revenge. They're, they're battle prayers. Now, don't get confused when I read this, and let's please remember <laughs> that Paul gives a New Testament version of this by telling us and reminding us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. So when we're fat fighting for the promise, you know, your husband is not keeping you from the promise. Or your wife is not keeping you from the... We don't fight against flesh and blood. Come on, somebody, say amen. You know? In David's time in the Old Testament, yeah, they were that, that opposition was embodied in people. But I love how Psalms 58 talks so much about, you know, like one of my favorite verses, Pastor, was like, break the teeth of my enemy. I just like that. I just love break the teeth of my enemy, you know. And then there's another prayer that David prayed. And this, this may take just a second for it to sink in, but think how significant this prayer is. As as like he said, I pray, and he's, he's directing this to some of his enemies. I pray that your mother be childless. 
<laughs> think, think about that just for a minute. What's he just praying? I want you to die, buddy. <laughs> you know, obviously, again, we're, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but I love that warfare mentality that we are soldiers. Ladies, you, you, may, you may be the embodiment of southern charm. But at the same time, in the body of Christ, you better be like velvet steel. Men, you do not have an opportunity to be weak and anemic. God is calling us to be men and women of God that are going to walk out and possess the promised land and not be shocked when we have to go, as Jesus said, have to take it by force. The devil's not just handing over our families. The devil's not just handing over good finances. For some of you, the offering this morning was a battle. It was a fight to write that tithe check or that missions check. But friends, the promise of blessing financially is going to come with a fight. It's not going to come accidentally. Come on, go with me. Here's the last thing that I see about this promised land. It's not perfect. There's going to be some battles to possess it. But lastly, the promised land is not about the things. It's about his presence. The promised land is more about presence. And to me, that's why most of these promises that we have in the Bible are conditional. They come with a condition. It's like if-then conditions. And we have to be willing to see those conditions of that promise and be willing to be obedient on our side so that we can experience his side. And so Scott, what are you talking about? Well, let's, let's look at a couple of these if-then promises. You know, I think that uh, one of the promise that we have is the promise of the mercy of God. Blessed are the merciful. I want the mercy of God in my life. How many of you need a little bit of mercy of Jesus in your life? Meaning, I'd rather get his mercy than what I deserve. You know, that's mercy, that I don't get what I deserve. How many of you want what you deserve? <laughs> I don't. God help me, I don't. But that promise of getting his mercy is contingent because it says this, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You see, Scott, what does that mean? It means I have to be merciful to receive mercy. Amen? And in that promise, the Lord is saying this, it's difficult for me to extend mercy. Here's another verse that's very similar to this. How can we say we love God who we have not seen if we don't love our brother and sister who we can see? And I read that verse many times and say, Lord, you got it backwards. I mean, any of, any of you read that word? Any of you ever read that verse and think, Lord, you're confused because it's a whole lot easier to love you who I can't see than to love this person who I can see. Like, you don't live with this person. It's like it's backwards, Lord. Why do you say stuff like that? 
The truth is that promise is all about His presence. Because to extend mercy, to extend love, we have to have the presence of the Lord. The Lord is putting us in a position, not to just to have a great life, the Lord is putting us in a position of experiencing Him. There's another if-then. There's multiple if-thens in the Bible. And it's one of them we better pay very close attention to. Because one of them is, is all about forgiveness. And as much as we need mercy, we need forgiveness as well. Anybody need forgiveness in the house today? And again, that condition is so true. If we want forgiveness, then we better forgive. Because if we don't forgive, there's a great story in the Bible that talks about a man who didn't forgive. And it ends with this little phrase that if you do not forgive, then the Heavenly Father will do likewise to you. And what he did to that man was throw him into the dungeon and subject him to the tormentors. Come on, I, I, I want his presence. And I know the promises that he's giving us, it's more than just having a, a, a nice day or even health for the next few years. You know, his promises are more about experiencing his presence today. I want to finish with this because, and I'll go back to this list of men because lastly, it's just this straight up experiencing your promise today is going to take bold leadership. Now, I'm not just talking about bold leadership from your pastor and pastor's wife. That, that, they're bold. They're not just talented. I didn't even know he could sing. That boy can sing. I never heard him sing like that. Wendy, you never talked about him singing. Now I know I, now I know why you marry. It's not because his looks good. It's because he sings, you know. <laughs> the boy can sing. He's got, he's got a great taste, you know, put together all this stuff. And uh, yeah, he knows everything there is to know about technology. You know, we used to do uh, the, a school out of the campground, and every single time I was out there, I was like, Richard, I need your help. In fact, one day, one Saturday, I didn't need his help, and there was rejoicing in all the land. It's like, Richard, I went through the whole day, and I didn't even have to ask your, your help and advice in this, you know. But more than any of that, he's a bold leader. But friends, I'm not just talking about bold leadership from your pastor. I'm talking about bold leadership for your self-leadership. Because your pastor, he's only waking up in bed with one person tomorrow morning, and that's his wife. He ain't waking up with you. You're waking up in the morning. You're walking out your front door. And the enemy is, he's not even waiting for you to get outside the door. He's just waiting for you to open your eyelids. And in some cases, he doesn't even wait for you to open your eyelids because he wants to affect the dreams that you're having. Come on. We need bold leadership to go out and possess the promises that the Lord has given you. Now, here's something I want to, I want to show you. This, this is very interesting to me. As I, as, I, as I look through this list, there's 12 men. And I'm going to not start with the first. I'm going to come back to him because I believe this list was given in a certain order. But I'm going to start from the second explorer. His name was Shaphat, meaning God.
God has judged. So the sovereignty of God. Caleb, his name means devotion to God or faithful. The fourth guy was Egal, meaning he redeems or God redeems. Hosea, which we know as Joshua, his name means God is deliverer. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Paltai, the sixth explorer, means he has ex- or allowed me to escape, or the escaped one. I've been delivered. I've been brought out of Egypt. I've escaped the hand of death. Amen? There's two names that are so close together, number seven and eight. One is Gadil, and the other is Gadai, and it just simply means the same in Hebrew. It means my fortune. God is my fortune. Let me say amen to that. That's good. Number nine is a meal, which is labor and toil. I'm not afraid of hard work. I'm not afraid of toil. Number 10 is Sethor, means set the light in order or to shine. God's given us, we're the city that's set on a hill. Come on, somebody. Nabi, the 11th explorer, his name means concealed or hidden. There is a treasure that is concealed and hidden in me. Paul said it. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And the last name is Gaul, meaning the majesty of God. Can you imagine walking around with that kind of character? But yet to have that kind of character... With that kind of a testimony, I believe it was all influenced by explorer number one. His name is Shamu, not the well at SeaWorld. Amen. <laughs> a little different spelling. But his name means doubtful. Doubtful. Isn't that amazing? Out of all 12 of those guys, there's one guy that had a negative outlook on life. One guy, because I believe these names represented character. One guy had a doubtful character, and doubt influenced nine other people. Now, it didn't get Joshua and Caleb, thank God. But it influenced nine others to such a strong degree that they influenced the rest of the camp, and the rest of the camp said, you know, we've seen the promise, but we're too afraid to go in. Doubtful leadership prevented those folks from walking into the promise. Here's my challenge today, and then I'm done. As good and well as all ten of those names were, As much as we've experienced, as much as we've heard, as as much as we're surrounded by other great folks, we have got to provide strong leadership for ourselves and not allow doubt to influence us. Not to allow fear, because I believe the twin sister of doubt is fear. Or twin brother, excuse me, ladies. I don't want to pick on y'all, you know. It's doubt and fear. And they move together with such unity. And if we allow doubt and fear to lead us, friends, we are not going to step over into all the promises and the fulfillment that God has ready 
for you as an individual and certainly for us as a local body here in Marksville and even for us as the Assemblies of God in all the state of Louisiana, let's have bold, lead boldly yourself. Lead boldly. I love the fact that David just learned this great discipline of talking to himself. I said to my soul, bless the Lord. You know, I looked, I don't know what kind of mirror they had back then, you know, but uh, I've just looked in the mirror and I said, we're going to make it so. Bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. And I'm not just talking about just where we're at, you know, with this current coronavirus. I'm just talking about this natural plan of the enemy. If it's not coronavirus today, it's something else tomorrow. And it'll be something else next week. And it'll be something else the week after. Because the devil is going to be relentless. But I serve a God who's more relentless than the devil. Just like the song we sang. And the fact that he's given us a promise. He's given you a promise. And there's a promise in the Word of God that affects every single thing about your life, from your physical health to your finances to your mind to your body to your children to your marriage to every relationship that you have. There is a promise that you could attach to every one of those areas of your life. Go explore it. But then as you experience a little opposition, you just realize that's part of the promise. And I'm ready for the fight. And I'm not going to let doubt or fear grab hold of me. But with a boldness, when you find me, you're going to see me eating that basketball-sized grape. Amen? That's the mentality that you have as well. <laughs> it's juicy too, isn't it? <laughs> and sweet. The Lord has a great promise for you. For some of us this morning, it's time to dust off that promise. We just hadn't walked with boldness to claim that promise. Or we've laid down our sword that's stopped us for, from fighting for that promise. Well, I believe if I could speak corporately to you that God's given you a promise of this city. But you're going to have to fight for it. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if we could just open up the doors and just they just come in, in masses? And you know what? It could happen supernaturally. But that's not going to be the way for everybody. There, God can direct some folks off of that road and say, man, I don't know what happened. Just the Holy Ghost pulled me in here. You know? I, I, I realize that can happen. But for the most part, it's going to happen because you are going to be bold in this city telling people about what's happening here and about what God is wanting to do in their life and how God's wanting to bring redemption and healing and promise and presence into their life. But hey, the devil's going to fight you. That's okay. Because no matter what he decides he wants to throw out there, the promise of the Lord is this. The enemy raises up, you know. I love the scholarly debate because in the Hebrew there was no punctuation marks but when we want to put a punctuation in this verse we often put it in the I believe a very challenging place because we give more credit to the devil than what I'm really wanting to give because when we put the punctuation we say when the enemy comes in like a flood comma 
the Lord will raise up a standard. I tend to move that comma and just say, when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard. Amen. Come on, you're destined to win if you don't give up. You're destined to walk in the promise of the Lord. How can you say that? Because two men refused to let doubt affect them. Now, they, they paid for it. They had to walk for 40 years in the desert, but they won at some point in time. They stepped over that threshold into the promise. I believe that's where God wants you and I today. Let's walk in his promises for you. Amen. Can you bow your heads with me all over this place? I'm going to just pray, and I'm going to turn it over to Pastor. Lord, thank you. Thank you for a church. Lord, they've, they've, they've gone through some physical wind, and look at the beauty of how you've restored. But Lord, as nice as that is, I honestly believe that's so trivial compared to some of these folks that have gone through the spiritual wind of adversity, the spiritual wind of opposition. But, Lord, we're believing. We're rejoicing with those that have already came out. But, Lord, there's some that are still in the wind. But, Lord, we're believing you that as they hold on with boldness and they continue to walk toward their promise, Lord, they're going to come out so beautiful. So much experiencing your promise as it relates to their finances, as it relates to their family. Lord, I believe there's the fight right now for some of these folks in here as they fight for their families, as they fight for their children. Lord, may we not give up the promise of our children being saved, our grandchildren being saved. Lord, I pray that no one has laid down the sword, and if they have, they're going to pick that sword back up. They're going to continue to pray. Sometimes we stop praying because we don't see any difference that we're making for a day or a month or even a decade. Lord, I pray that there were folks that get back up pick up their sword, get back on their knees, Lord, because we're claiming that promised land for our marriage, for our finances, for our children, for our neighborhood, for our city. What difference does it make to pray for our city? It makes all the difference in the world, folks. Come on, we just keep grabbing hold of that promise and never letting go. I believe all over this place the Lord's speaking to you as this message applies to you. Maybe applying totally different to the person in front of you, behind you, beside you. But somehow, some way, the Lord is speaking to you about this promise, something so specific to you. Come on, church. God's destined you to walk in the promised land. But it's going to come with a fight. It's going to take boldness. It's going to take perseverance. The Lord's ready for the church to rise up and experience His presence in the promise. Come on, you can just can you just meditate before the Lord there just for a few more minutes, just, just quietly there. Think about the promises that He's given you. Lord, your word is so clear. Sometimes we need to pray that you strengthen the arms that, that, that have been zapped. Lord, they're, they're not having the energy. Strengthen the feeble legs, Lord. 
And at times there, even when all we can do is stand, stand, Lord, give uh, the, the, the power and the authority and the ability and the perseverance just to, just to stand a little bit longer, Lord, to keep walking. Lord, that we just wait upon you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Lord, I'm praying for fulfillment of your promises in the lives of these men and women. Come on, Lord, it's real. It's real. It's real. It's not just fairy tale, Lord. It's, it's, it's applicable to our everyday lives, your promises to us. And I pray this week there would be a breakthrough on so many different levels in the lives of these men and women, we pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, church. Can you just honor him? Just, 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 just sit in his presence just for another, another minute here. Just dwelling on these promises that he's spoken to your life. Is what God is doing. I was telling somebody just the other day, you know, we've got to learn the word. Got to learn the word. Because if you think of it this way, the enemy cannot tell the truth. And he comes in and says, Deborah, you're not going to make it. You're not going to have enough money this month. Thank you for reminding me that I'm going to have enough money this month. Because my God said you shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Oh, this, this sickness is going to get you. Thank you for telling me I'm going to have good health. He can't tell the truth. And that's right. You know, we need to learn the promises so we can speak them over our lives. We can declare them. We can, you know, just constantly. And, and, and in the Old Testament, I, I was telling them the watchmen in the Old Testament were to remind God of his promises. They put them on the walls, reminding God day and night of the promises. Lord, I thank you that I'm going to see this in my family. I thank you that I'm going to be strong and healthy. I thank you, and it's declaring it constantly, no matter what you see around you. No matter what you see around you. And, and, and I know at a certain point in my life, and I know I've shared this with you, when financially, when we were learning to trust the Lord, I constantly spoke those things over my family constantly spoke them over my family that I shall have enough food in my house. I shall have electricity in my house, even though I didn't have money to pay the bill for months. But I spoke them, and, and I gave to the Lord. Why? Because I was wanting to walk in the promises, because there's conditions. And you know what? I never went without. There again, the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. It's, so guys, we've got to get a hold of these promises, amen? But don't let the naysayers you see, one guy kept him out of there for 40 years. I'm getting too old to go around the mountain again, so I ain't doing that. <laughs> I want to walk in, amen? I want to walk in. 
Well, Pastor Scott, thank you for that word, that, that challenging word right there. That is definitely a word in season because we need that right now because fear is, is gripping people. And speak it over your house when you go in your home. This house is healthy. My children, my wife, my husband is healthy in the name of Jesus. Release health into that house. Release it over your children. You know, and continue praying it over our parish, right? Praying for our leaders in our parish, in our state, and in our nation. Continue to pray. You know, I know that the Sister Thelma, you know, in the, in the school, working for the school board over there, man, been praying for their decisions because it's not easy to make the decisions they have to make. It affects a lot of people. A lot of people. We were three minutes from a track meet. When we got the text message, turn around, come back to school. Your season's done. Jesus. Now, we are hoping if we get back to school, we'll get back in time. We'll be, that week, that Friday would be our district track meet, so we may actually get to still run. But, but you know, let's keep praying for these guys, amen, and keep praying, keep speaking the blessings. So, huh? Oh, okay. You had something to say? Well, come say it. Come share it with me. I know my sister hears from the Lord. Come on now. She gives me some words sometimes when I need them in season. The reason I want to say this at this particular time is that we were visited by God today. Do we realize we were? God used a young man, Rylan, to come and summarize Pastor Scott's message he was telling us about the fire and are we brave I mean there are things that will get done but are we brave enough to do it are we brave enough to go touch that fire that's what he taught today he used Jose to his word to say do we want it do we want it there was three different people besides all of us praying and everything, this entire church, to bring the same message. Are we going to listen? Are we going to obey? Are we going to doubt? Or are we going to do what God has for us to do to make a difference in the lives of everybody that we encounter and even people overseas that we do not even know. Thank you. Amen. Hey, listen, so, so throughout the week, I want you to continue to pray for each other, pray for the people, but I, I'd like to pray for Oscar because I think you leave tomorrow, don't you? Now, he works overseas, so he has to fly to Lebanon tomorrow. He works overseas, and it's, you know, a totally different story. So, can we pray for him today if we get our, our, our deacons to come? And we're going to come and lay hands on you this morning and pray with us as well. You know, he's got to leave the country tomorrow. And it's a totally different ballgame over there, you know. So uh, let me get the, some oral out here, see if I can get a little bit without completely gushing my hand today like I've been doing. They laugh because my hand's been dripping the last few days. So, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. I got a little bit on my finger. I won't do that. The Lord instructed me to do that the other night, but I, I don't feel that right now. So, <laughs> Father, we come and we anoint our brother, Lord. And, and, Lord, we are praying a special protection upon him, Father, as he travels. Lord, we pray for divine safety, Lord. We release the angels to go before him and to camp around him. Father, that his body will be strong and healthy throughout this time. 
Lord, no virus will come against him, no sickness in the name of Jesus. Lord, continue to allow him to be a light on this rig and in this land that you have sent him, that he will be strong and able to share your words. Even when so many people around him may have no hope, he will be able to bring light into these dark areas. So use him mightily in this time. And we thank you for protecting him and watching over his family while he is gone. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, brother. Yeah, so he's got to actually go so he can be in quarantine before he goes on to the rig and all kind of crazy things. But, uh, well, guys, listen, we love you. Thank you for being in church today. Again, we're going to be back here Wednesday. Uh, hey, if you notice, there's this big white thing parked out over there. And uh, we, we, we bought the bus. It's 24 passenger. Uh, I'm going to throw the keys out there to one of the guys. If you want to go look at it, you can go look at it real quick. Jonathan, here, yeah, here's the keys. And uh, we, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. We had some people that raised their hands that they were going to be willing to go get their DOT license. Yeah. One of them has already passed the, the test, and, the, and it, she's rolling. Sister Minnie, she is rolling. Like, this week, she could go take her, her drive test. I didn't even pass the general knowledge test. I didn't even look at the book. I just went and I had my license for years and got rid of it. I'm like, ah, let me go see if I can remember this stuff. Jesus, help me. So I got to go study my book again. She's going to beat me. But if you want to get your test, come, you know, get your license to come drive the bus. Hey, come see me because, you know, that thing is not going to stay parked. I'm telling you right now. If it's not going to get used, we're going to get rid of it. I'm not going to let the tires rot off of it, okay? It's going to pick up people. You know, bro hey, Brother Ron Paul was about reaching people. And somebody said we need to name it like the Donkey Express because he always said he was just a donkey for Christ. But I don't think we need to put that on there, but it's just funny. Uh, we, he was always rolling, you know. So, but listen, y'all go look at the bus and enjoy, enjoy that. And uh, thank you again, Sister Kara, Pastor Scott, for coming today and being with us and uh, for bringing this word to us. Hey, we love you. Make sure you go out and share the love of Christ today. But before that, make sure you bring your children home with you. Even though I have room, I don't want them. Uh, so, no, they don't. They come to the house, but they can't stay long. So, hallelujah. We love you. Hey, y'all go fellowship. Remember, don't hug too much, though. You know how people are. So, we'll see you Wednesday. God bless you. <laughs>